welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Dave is going to come and speak today. He's brought a friend along. Good morning, everybody. I didn't know what you're thinking. He was only here a few weeks ago. God, we could have put up with him again. Uh, it wasn't, that wasn't a, an encouragement to encourage me. Uh, when After I spoke, uh, Neil said to me, have you got a part two t- to this? And I said, probably. So, uh, and then somebody came to me um, uh, last week and said, I heard you speak about repentance and uh, it, was, it was good, but it didn't apply to me, at least I thought it didn't apply to me until I got home and for the last two weeks God has been telling me to repent of things and it's been very helpful, but a challenge. So I thought, uh, I, I, I do have some other things that I, I want, bless you my son. Good job this is real, otherwise that would have come off. Uh, so I, I thought it would be good to just catch up on, on a few more uh, points that I wanted to, to talk about. What I want to talk about is, is really that this is, a, this is a season where God is encouraging us to walk by his spirit. Uh, he's, wa- he's wanting us, as Phil clearly spoke to us last week, he said, uh, you know, we are saints. We are 100% saints Uh, but sometimes we don't feel that way and God has provided for us to be able to walk as saints even when we do do things wrong and I want to talk about that today about how I handle things and how I believe the Bible is is helpful for us all to deal with these things can you all hear me okay good Uh, for years I have Loved the idea of speaking about Vicky Pollard. Uh, I don't know if you know that character, but uh, if we've got it all set up, Roger is just going to play a short part. The thing both of our countries can be proud of is that we have the finest juvenile delinquents in the world. At this boot camp in Utah, some new inmates have arrived. Wilderness Lodge. You are here for a reason. Arson, drug abuse, violence. It's going to be tough. But if you stick to the rules, you'll survive. Okay. Roll call. Latasha Dean. Yeah. Haley Evans. Yeah. Natalie Kirk. Yeah. Vicki Pollard. Yeah, but you, but... Yeah, but 
No, but yeah, it's me. But I shouldn't actually be here or something or nothing because let me tell you the whole thing. Because this whole thing happened, what I don't even know nothing about. Because a whole load of us went out to Disney World and we all got chucked out for beating up the Aristocats. And then Hannah Garvey said we should all go back in after midnight and burn down the Peter Pan ride as a joke. So we all went back there. But I never done nothing. All I did was like pour the petrol, light the match. That is it. And all of a sudden, I well started getting blamed for it. But it wasn't just me. And if Kelly Raymond says it was, then don't listen to her because everyone knows she dyes her moustache. <laughs> Leslie and I spent oh, a good half an hour, didn't we, trying to find a clip that was appropriate. <laughs> if we went on from there, it becomes inappropriate. <laughs> Believe me, we, we tried. But I, I, I love the idea of yeah, but, no, but, that it is completely wrong. And we were, listening, we were watching this, and there was a, an interview with... Uh, the Little Britain guys, and they were saying, oh, you know, we've just observed this in society. These are, these are new characters in, in life. And I think, no, 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 no. These are traits we all have. We all have Vicky Pollard. If you go back into Genesis and you look at Adam and Eve, they are the original Vicky Pollards. Yeah, but it was her the woman you gave me, God. And she said, yeah, but it was the snake. So we are all, we all have the Vicky Pollard uh, within us. But what I want to talk about is overcoming that. We have got to be honest with ourselves. And we've got to look at really the, 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 the way that scripture is clear about how we are justified by faith. We are not justified by our excuses. And that is what I am guilty of. I have done it most of my life and I fight my inner Vicky Pollard and I want to be more godly in the way that I deal with the things that are wrong. Uh, you see... We walk in righteousness, uh, but we, we want to walk in the strength of the Spirit. We don't want to just have a veneer of righteousness. We want his righteousness with us all the time. Uh, let me tell you a, a, a story. Uh, I... Uh, some of you will know me, but uh, I work for a German company. I sell machines. And around about seven, seven or eight years ago, I sold a, um, a complete line to a factory down in um, Hampshire. And uh, it was at the time when we were just coming out of the recession and we needed, we needed the work in the factory. Uh, and they had a problem with their machine, and they needed a new line. And th this project was about one and a half million euros, so it's a lot of money for a private company. And uh, they asked me, they, I gave them a lot of help, a lot of, in, of advice. They asked me for, you know, how much would it cost to build this structure, and how should they organize themselves, and I gave them prices, I gave them ideas about the structure that they should have internally for managing the project. I was really helpful, honestly. And I gave them honest answers. 
we then delivered the machine. It was on time, and it was commissioned, and it was, we had some technical problems. It's a very complex machine and process. And it took about five weeks for our engineers to make sure this was running. And still there were a few little problems. So they wrote, the, 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 the customer wrote to me, and, he, and they were very critical. They said, this is wrong, this is wrong. You, and then they also said, you led us to believe that these structures around it would cost a certain amount, and they've cost us a lot more. And so I said, okay, I, I will come down and, t and see you. So I went down to Hampshire, and I spoke to them. And I had a guy... Uh, he spoke to me. Well, he didn't speak to me. He uh, ranted at me for two and a half hours how useless the machine was, how useless the company was, how useless our service had been. And I'm kind of handling these things because I'm, you know, I'm trying to always negotiate on these things. And after two and a half hours, he said, and um, uh, you were economical with the truth. Now, that to me was like a lie. That expression means you're a liar. It's just a euphemism. So I said to him, stop. This, that's a euphemism for me lying to you. I have not lied. And he was like, no, I didn't say that. I just said you were economical with the truth. I said, look, we all know that means that you're calling me a liar. Oh, no, 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 no. I said, that is just not on. We then finished at this point, and then I had to go and see the managing director of this, this company, who played the, the nice guy. And he was, oh, look, we, we know that there are difficulties, and we want you to help us. Uh, but we, what we really need is for, with all these problems, we need you to to get an extra discount from us. Now, I had had this other guy for three hours giving me abuse and then personal abuse. So I was kind of weary at this. So I said to him, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do my best and I will try and get a 5%, 6% discount for you. And he said, Let me write that down. You will give us a 5%, 6% discount. And I thought, okay, I'm in trouble now. So I, I, in these sort of circumstances, I pray. I don't know what you're like, but I pray these arrow prayers. Oh, God, help me. Get me out of this, please. And when I left, I sort of sat in my car, and I thought, okay, uh, God, will, God will be kind to me. And, and so I, I prayed, and I said, okay, God, would you, will you help me here? What do you think he said to me? You, you can answer. What do you think he said to me? Don't give him a discount, yeah? Apologize, yeah? Any others? He said to me, you're a man pleaser. I thought, thanks a lot. <laughs> and at that point I knew that much of my life I have been a man-pleaser. And so I needed to deal with this because I knew that 
to get from this position that I had put myself in through being acquiescing, being weak and giving in to the pressure, uh, I'd made more trouble for myself. So, of course, I, I, I've got this letter which I had already sent to, the, to the, my head office in Stuttgart, but I rang up the, uh, the sales director and I said, look, these guys, they're calling me a liar. And I, I didn't explain anything and he just said, David, look, we know you're not a liar, so don't worry about it. We know who you are. We trust you. I'm like, that is really helpful. So I then went with a, a colleague a couple of weeks later from Germany uh, called Rolf. And uh, we walked into the factory, into the reception area. And we walked into uh, the three owners of the company who had come down from Yorkshire. So we walked in and, and they were introduced. And, and Rolf and I were thinking, oh, we're going to get a real abuse. You know, you're useless, your machine's useless, your service is useless. And what did they say? They said, thank you so much. Your machine is fantastic. We thank you for the service that you have given us. And the managing director who had been giving us all this abuse has tried to move us out of the way, away from these people who have been very, very positive about us. So we, Rolf and I looked at each other as if to say, what on earth is going on? I had, before that, I had repented. I had gone and said, Lord, help me. I don't want to be a man pleaser. I have done these things wrong. And he said to me afterwards, okay, what you need to do is hold the line. So, yeah, don't give them a discount. Hold the line. That's what he said. Just hold the line. So we then go into this, this meeting with the managing director and his uh, financial director. And I'm saying, look, okay, you, they, they owed us about... I think 60,000 euros, which is, you know, that's a fair amount of money. So I, I said, look, there are a number of items that, uh, that we've got open. You give us, let's agree, we will do certain things, you will pay us a certain amount of money. We will do this, you will pay us. It's a pretty common negotiating tactic. Anyway, the, the financial director, she said, if you ask us about money one more time, I'm going to walk out. I thought, I'm not going to be a man pleaser anymore. I'm going to hold the line. So I said, I'm really sorry. We have to negotiate about the money now. And she walked out. A few, about a month later, so they didn't agree anything. So I said, we will just have to take away all our, our, our help to you. And about a month later, they rang me up early in the morning and said, We've got a real problem with our machine. We need you to send some spare parts and an engineer. And I said, £60,000, please, and we will send the man. And they did. The money was there by the end of, the, of lunchtime, and we sent a man over. You see, God is practical. God is there with us in these things. But we have to cooperate with him to change God doesn't want us just to sit there in our sin, even though it's covered by the blood of Christ when we become born again. 
there are still things that are in our lives. Uh, I think Leslie just, just said about, you know, there are things where we, that are dead. When we have certain sins, they bring a death into that area of our life. And we don't want that anymore, do we? We want to bring life into those areas of our lives by the Spirit of God. But it means repentance. And what I talked about the other week was we have to acknowledge that something is wrong and then we have to say, I want to change and turn away. And I'm going to come come about on that again. Let's have a look at, not Vicky Pollard this time, but the real justification. Can we have a look at Romans 3? Do I need to? Uh, can, I, can you give me... Oh, I want verse 23. Is that verse 23? Everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's standard. Uh, but we are justified. We are declared righteous. We are declared not guilty by faith in Jesus. Vicky Pollard, she's declaring herself not guilty because it's somebody else's fault. Or you just didn't understand. We do that so often, don't we? It wasn't my fault. I could have said in that meeting... Uh, or with, when I'm talking with God. But look, they've been awfully beastly to me, haven't they? They were ranting at me. I was under pressure, Lord. And he probably would have said yes. But you must stand. You must stand against it. I think we had a, a word a few weeks ago, Leslie brought. Stand against things. Then stand, and then stand again. We need to stand against sin. Once we have dealt with it. But what happens when we, when we fall? We have to go back and do it again. Let me just do my example here. Can you see that? Some of you can see better than others. It says, it says David. Let me grab this one. Thanks, Steve. Can you see that at the back? Okay. So let's uh, let's put on some sins. Liar. Man pleaser. Stand around the back here. Proud. Self-centered. A drunk. By the way, these are many of these are mine. You're not supposed to guess though. Druggy. Porn addict. 
foul-mouthed, vain, never-ending these sins, aren't they? Arrogant. You could, I'm sure, add many more of your own. So, let me give you uh, an example. When, so when I was born again, uh, there were some things that were dealt with immediately. And I didn't have to worry again about that before. So being foul-mouthed, I've said this to you before, that as soon as I was born again, whereas Jesus Christ used to be my favorite swear word, it became my favorite word of, of praise. So that one was easily dealt with. Liar, I, I think that, that was dealt with reasonably easily. Being self-centered, that's a difficult one. That takes time. And I used to keep putting that on myself, or it would, I kept doing it. I probably still do. But I have to give it to Jesus. Put it on him. He's the one who takes that sin and deals with it. When it comes back, I take it away and put it on him again. And what you find is that the power of that sin to hold you becomes broken. But you must be honest. You can't be the Vicky Pollard and go, yeah, but it's the way I was brought up. Yeah, but it's what somebody said to me. Yeah, but I am always like that. Yeah, but my family is like that. You can't do that. You are a child of God. Uh, Then there are other things that... I'll put it... Oh, there it is. Sorry, I got it. Then there are things that are put on us. So these are sins that we do. When we're born again, they're taken away. Drunk, proud, arrogant, druggy. We can deal with them. I'm throwing these on the floor, not because I want to, you know, litter the place. But last week, when we were, uh, when we had our meeting, I saw the floor covered in post-it notes of people's sins that had been dealt with. And I think this is the season that we are being called to deal with these things. We are children of God. God has done everything, but he is calling us to a a new work. I don't know what that is exactly, but he wants us to be righteous and holy and walking by the Spirit. And we have to deal with these things. We need to be radical. If you know what the word radical means, it means to go to the root. So Jesus is the ultimate radical because he went to the root of our problems, which is sin. And he changed that from being death into life. But then there are things that we, we may have that we we keep putting on ourselves or people put on us as well. Uh, 
and Phil talked about this last week very really helpfully. Some, sometimes we're called useless. And you then label yourself useless. Phil called him, or other people called Phil, Brian the snail. I'll give you that one, Phil. That's done. Not anymore. Get out of it. Clumsy. Not like your brother, nor, or not like your sister. That was a big one for me. I, my, uh, my brother is six years older than me, a lovely, lovely brother. But when I went to school, they used to call me uh, Steve Watmore or Steve Watmore's brother. And they expected me to be like him. He's five foot six, I'm six foot two. We look very much similar in our bodies, but he's just a sort of miniature version of me. But he's a lot cleverer than I am. <laughs> but I'm better at golf than he is. So that, may, that makes that up for it. But I, and this was a strange thing. I had people who had never met me before, I would introduce myself, and they would call me Steve. And I was like, why? David and Steve, there's a V in it, but that's about it. But I, I said to Leslie... This happens frequently. I will tell you every time somebody says it to me, and it was about once or twice a month, wasn't it? And it went, oh, well, it's been on that, that for many years. And we said, okay, this, it's not just something. I need to deal with this. I need to repent of it. I need to hand it over to God and say, I don't know where this has come from, but please take this off me. And since then, nobody has called me Steve. And I would say it's about three or four years ago. Maybe longer. So these things are real in the spiritual realm. We can take them on. We pretend to be somebody we're not. And we need to deal with that. Lazy. So I I think the other thing is we also need to be very careful about our words what we put on people. Guard your tongue. It says in James, you know, the power of your tongue sets, sets things on fire. Your words are very, very powerful. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say to your children, what you say to people in your uh, at work, labeling them. You may need to correct them. I'm not saying that you don't do that. You need to deal with it. But putting a label on them is very, very destructive, potentially. There's another one. You're a fool. I think my family used to say I was always acting the fool. But it can cha- you can change that in your head as well. You can be labelled miserable. Oh, look at that face. Was it, was it my sister-in-law says they've got a resting bitch face, that person. Charlotte, stop laughing. <laughs> this is what people put on us. Don't allow these things to be put on you. 
boring. And then there are times when we can put on ungodly vows. We can say, I, I will never do this. I will never be like this. And sometimes, I, I, I've made that vow. I said, I will never be a Christian. I will not go to church. Well, fortunately, that's the, that was one of the first ones that Jesus dealt with, with me. But there are ungodly vows that you can make. I will never go to a certain country. Be open to what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Don't make these vows that mean nothing. Because they can get into your spirit and restrict you. There's a... uh, How many of you know the expression to be hobbled? A few people, listen it's it's a it's something that you do with with uh, horses or or cattle where they might get a little bit boisterous so they put a chain around their their probably their back legs so or even even when you're prisoners in a, in America you see them walking like this that is hobbled you can't stride out properly these sins these things that people put on you they hobble us. We sang that song uh, about freedom. Don't let the sins of what you've done in the past hobble you. Take them off. That's what it means. That's what Jesus has done. They can, you can take them off by repentance and believing that Jesus Christ has changed you. And he will work with you to change and sometimes it is not overnight and sometimes it is but you must listen to him so when you when it is happening that you've done that sin again don't beat yourself up go back to the cross how many times did jesus say we should forgive 77 times 7 he says that to us he is, he is in, even more forgiving than we are. So he will keep forgiving us when we are serious about changing. But I, I believe that God is asking us not to be a people who are hobbled by our sins. God wants us to walk freely. He wants us to make good strides forwards. He wants us to run with him and not just shuffle around like a hobbled cow. So every, that, we sang that song, every chain will break at the mention of your name. I thought, that is just so perfect for what I am going to say. I wrote it down again. You see, when we're, when we're trying to be like Vicky Pollard and justifying ourselves, we are uh, self-justifying. 
and it is, a, and it is wrong. That is a sin as well, and we need to repent of that. You see, all these things dealt with. And of course, what we are is a child of God. Sorry about the bust. (laughs) It says child of the king if you can't read it. When you look in the mirror... Don't look at the person with the sin. Look at the label that God has put on you, which is that you are a child of the king. You are a child of God. Let me give you another uh, explanation of, of uh, justification. Um, we had, uh, in, in my office... Uh, a lady retired after 20-odd years, and so we, um, we put out a, a, a request for a new person to join us. So we put it out onto the employment agency, and we had a CV. Uh, we had a, a, a job description, and then we invited them to give their CVs. So we, we had a number of, of CVs that came in, and one of them it was almost identical to our job description. This lady worked for a German company. She worked with SAP computer systems. She worked with uh, customers. And, 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 and she lived locally. All these things. And when she came back for the second interview, I spoke to her and she said, when I saw the advert, and the job description, I thought I was reading my CV. It was almost identical. And we said, well, we felt the same thing. And when we talked to her, she organized her, her um, emails in exactly the way that we do in our office. And so she, we thought, right, okay, we will give you the job. She's been fantastic. She's been excellent. Now, when we come to, to God the first time, we come with our CV. Here's my CV. I'm sure you can't read it, but it says, David Watmore, born to sinful parents, leads a sinful life from the 22nd of October 1960 to the 20th of January 1994. That's what I gave to God. And he said, okay, I will give you your new CV. And it says here, Jesus Christ born to a virgin, sinless, lived a sinless life, died and rose again. That's my CV now. If you're born again, that's your CV, isn't it? A bit more encouragement, please. (laughs) That's my CV I hand to him when I pray. Look, I am in Christ this is your CV. If I'm Vicky Pollarding, if there's a, I can now make that a verb, I will put up mine again. David Watmore, but born again. But David Watmore, but born again. No, that's not good enough. If I'm trying to be righteous in my strength, it's, it's like dung to God. 
it's horrible. He doesn't want it. He wants the perfection of his son. So we, so oh, you might say, yeah, but we, we, we sin. We do things wrong. Yes. That's why he's made it so simple for us. So that when we, when we do sin, we come back to the cross and we say, I'm being honest with you, Lord. I'm a man pleaser. I want to change. I want to turn around and do things your way now. And then he will start to break the power of that sin. Because that area of of sin was death in my life. I don't know what, what avenues it has opened up, but certainly it opened up an avenue where we walked in and they started saying some nice things about us, although they were probably playing a game. But I now try not to be a man pleaser. And when it hits me again and God reminds me, I repent and say, Lord, take me away from this. Deal with this. I'm sorry. I make no justification for that whatsoever. So, when we are trying to be holy, Phil talked about being 100% of a saint, 100% holy. But are we striving to do that? just by trying to be a goody person. It's easy to do that, but that's not what God wants. He wants that relationship with us to deal with these things. So, could the band just come back? I'm going to... I've made a mess. have a look at that scripture that last one no no I've got two more Uh, let's have Romans 8 please so now this is this is in Romans Paul has given an explanation of the gospel including justification and he says therefore There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't need to live in condemnation. You can deal with the sin there and then. Deal with it quickly. Keep short accounts with God. Don't let those things burrow into your life. Don't let these things hobble you and restrict the way you walk your life because life is to be enjoyed there are tough times that come but God wants you to enjoy your life he wants to renew joy in people even today where you might need to deal with these things he will bring joy can we just have the 1 John scripture as well I used this last time as well If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. 
But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Praise God. I can give my CV to him. This is me now. I am in Christ. I am sinless. When I sin, I can deal with it quickly because he wants me to walk in the spirit. So let's just stand. Father, I pray, come. Release your spirit of repentance on us, Lord. Father, I thank you that you have saved us, that we may have abundant life, Lord. And you have done everything to deliver us from the self-justification that we try. Father, help us to be a people who know how to repent, how to be free of sin, how to be full of joy, Lord. I pray we will be a joy-filled people who make a difference in this world, Lord, and that we will be able to explain your truth to others too, Lord. Father, I pray that you will bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.